Yo, how are you doing, folks? Welcome to episode 67 of the Simple Life podcast. We are slowly ticking our way up to triple figures. Uh, it's a busy old week. I think we're actually going to get three recordings in this week. Uh, not that you'll know, but you can start to see the bags under my eyes from the hours of editing I was doing on a Outlaws podcast last night, which by the time you're hearing this, I'm assuming you've already uh, been over and heard. And if not, go check it out. Um, well worth it. It's going to be quite an investment of your time, several hours, um, but worth doing. Um, hopefully we'll be a bit more lighter with, with today's guest. Um, hopefully we'll leave you with a good glow and complexion. We'll leave you feeling plump and hydrated and refreshed um, as they are what I would like to consider an expert within the cosmetics field uh, here within the UK. Um, they are the creator, founder and owner of Hempress UK, a British cannabis cosmetics company that specializes in small batch uh, cannabis infused vegan and cruelty free cosmetics. Today's guest is Amy Lou Orca. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. How are you doing? Yes. Really well, thank you. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> Literally, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, really, really well. Um, busy days ahead, just like yourself, really. Things are starting to pick up now that the longest month ever has been completed and we've we've made it to the end. <laughs> Bring on, uh, yeah, the rest of the year. Yeah, I think um, I was thinking this the, the other day and I, was I can't remember, I was talking about the days of the month. I'm like, why does January have 31 or February 28? Why not just even this out? And I was like, swap it around, yeah. No, but you, you kind of want to get get all of the days out in January because then you feel like you've accomplished it. You've really put a month behind you. You're like, right, we've done the dark days. It's getting brighter. It's getting warmer. And then obviously yes, February, definitely. it feels cutting those extra the couple of days off in February. I don't know. You can kind of feel like you get to March faster. And as soon as you're in March, you're like, well, spring's there. I can't be that sad. No, I know. And then literally summer's right around the corner. So, mm. and we do it all again and again. <laughs> I mean, I will advocate for, let's just kind of summer all year round. I mean, I have, I have said for a long time, if it was possible, I would quite happily drag the British Isles a good couple of hundred miles south uh, so that we could be in warmer climates. Yes, definitely. Don't get me wrong. I, I quite like winter. I like that where you can snuggle up and you look out the window and it's all wet and rainy and the wind's blowing. But yeah, you can't beat that sun and the vitamin D and yeah, being able to just get out and about. Yeah, just just miss uh, during the winter and autumn months being able to get up in just a T-shirt. As soon as I go near my front door, the closer I get with each step, my brain's like, it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. It's like, yeah. Get a coat, get a hoodie, right? What you know, double, double triple layers. It's yeah. Not the one, not the one. It's not indeed. And especially as well, I don't know if you're the same, but um, the weather quite affects my mood. So somebody, mm. I have like anxiety and I've had like bouts of depression and things um, throughout my life. But the weather definitely, like those dark gloomy days, they really can affect me. So I feel like I have to do more sort of inner work and, and um, making sure I keep on top of things. Whereas the summer, it, I just feel like things flow a lot more easier. And like you say, you're getting the vitamins from the sun and yeah, it's nice. I suppose it's kind of like... Um the day and the year cycle are quite similar in a lot of ways so you wake up in the morning and it's dark and it's sort of you're groggy and you've got to work through it and then you get into this oh awake period in the morning and then you've got the bulk of the day and then yeah it starts to get sort of darker and colder and, and you've sort of settled down and I think we need that to live through that cycle if we were as we were on all the time we we never really rest and I think we'd burn out a lot faster I think we need to to recognize the importance of rest and of, of relaxing and you know really enjoying the experience along the way yeah definitely cannabis and its compounds uh, they help definitely <laughs> oh, oh indeed indeed um yeah i would definitely agree with that um all right let's let's jump straight into this uh, yeah go for it. Be, some people may have seen obviously there is a 
I think maybe a 10 minute interview with yourself from Product Earth. Uh, I know last, that feels last, so long ago. Last year, God, yeah, it does. It was only six, six, seven months ago, but it does. It feels already a whole nother world ago. Um, but yeah, obviously, we'll be getting ready for, for Product Earth and the events this year. So yeah, anybody that hasn't already seen, do check out the series of nine interviews we did from uh, last year, including one with uh, young Amy here. And uh, yeah, so for people that have not seen that or had any sort of interaction with you previously, um, could you sort of uh, explain to us what inspired you to to start Hempress, uh, this this cosmetics company? Yeah, so basically back in around about 2018, um, my little girl was two years old, so still relatively early days in the, the mum life. And um, I knew that it would be getting ready for time for her to, you know, sort of start nursery and that next step of her life. And then the sort of I was thinking, OK, what am I going to do? And I've always known that whenever if I was to ever have a child that I wanted to be very much involved. Um, I know, you know, it's not people through anybody's fault. You know, people have to go out and work and earn money for bills and put food on the table. But I just growing up, my mum, she worked in a factory, so she was always away all the time and she couldn't make it to events. And I think things like that, they do add up. And you do notice, especially as a child, because that's your whole life, isn't it? Your whole world. So yeah, I was very adamant on, I wanted to, to do something at home and I've always had a connection with cannabis since, you know, my teens and it's helped me just no end. I, I couldn't even really put into words. But um, yeah, so basically I'd come across a Canadian cannabis influencer and um, she used to go to these, this was before it was all sort of like legalized there. And she would go to these like Thursday night markets, like canna markets, and she'd pick up all loads of different products and then she'd sort of go on her stories on Instagram and you know, sort of go through what, what she'd um, purchased. And one of them was a CBD bath bomb. And just instantly I was like, wow, like, you know, I've always sort of liked my bath products and, and lush and things like that, but I have to be careful because I've got sensitive skin. So fragrances and things can cause a reaction. Um, but yeah, so she was sort of raving about it and saying about how it can help like ease like symptoms of anxiety and, and help sort of like um, aid with your sleep. So I was like, right, I need to find some of these. So I had a little look and there was nothing I could find in the UK. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm just gonna, I've got the time. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to get the ingredients and make it myself. I went to my local head shop. So shout out Kazam um, based in Kingsland, Norfolk. They, um, they were selling like CBD oils. So I grabbed some of them. I got some essential oils and the other sort of basic ingredients to make in bath bombs. And as someone that finds it hard to believe in myself and always thought that I wasn't a creative person, I was kind of like, right, this probably isn't going to work. But instantly it worked. And I was like, oh, it must be a fluke. Like, you know, this is just so I did it again. And then I handed them out to friends and family. And the feedback was just amazing. And even using them myself, I, I could notice the difference to, you know, sort of these you know the bath bombs that you can get that are loaded with like bubblegum fragrance and you know they smell nice and and they might sort of spark a childhood memory but um you know for your skin your mind your body your soul they weren't quite you know doing what you can get from cbd and essential oils and other plant-based ingredients so that's kind of like how it come about and like i say the feedback i got from friends and family was was just amazing like yeah it really warms my heart just thinking about it now and then I kind of just never looked back, really. I did all the research um, into, you know, sort of cosmetics in the UK, what you need, um, the legalities of it and um, all of that. And sort of just slowly tick the boxes. And here I am, what, just over four years later. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. I, I couldn't, I'm so grateful and blessed. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I uh, met you quite early on, I suppose, into, into your your journey. And um, yeah, you 
produced a series of bath bombs for the Durham Expo, the Autumn Expo event that we held in a hotel. Yeah. And, yeah, I loved people, that event. People loved those those bath bombs, and obviously most of the rooms had these big, huge feature. Uh, like copper and uh, all our big double Very porcelain posh. baths and yeah yeah and so for, for people to have sort of you know the they had a cannabis chocolate on their pillow and they had a, a cbd bath bomb in, that, in the, the bathroom i thought was a really sealed kind of the quality of, of that that event and yeah the fact that you made them bespoke as well with the the, the colors i thought was was really really cool Oh, thank you. So, I mean, it just creates, like you say, with the infused chocolate and it's just such an experience like that, you know, not many people get to experience because of all the legalities and, mm-hmm. and things around it. But it, yeah, it really is just there's so much more to cannabis than than just smoking it. There's just so it's so, you know, there's such a variety. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, or would would you seek to try to get products in sort of hotel chains? Because that I know is, is one of the uh well most profitable sort of avenues is that if you produce a hand cream like one of those series of products like a hand cream uh, a wash and you know a shampoo or whatever is the if you then become a luxury brand and you then get partnered with the chains of hotels so i was just thinking like exactly what i was thinking when i was booking this for durham was some of these people are going to travel five six hours they i want them to turn up be able to oh, chalk bit of chocolate make a coffee in the room or a tea in the room couple of nibbles of chocolate and get good relaxation with the THC in it uh, we give them all sorts of other different infused edibles and, and goodies but then yeah they could settle down have that bath and just really settle and then if they wanted to go outside for a smoke go get some dinner go do whatever it was all about and I think that that's the image I've got in my head for for all of these little motels and posh hotels is it comes with a cannabis gift basket it'd be amazing yeah I'd never be at home <laughs> I'd be like right what hotel I'm gonna go do next <laughs> yeah but yes yeah it'd be great maybe maybe we should all get together and look into opening up a little can of boutique hotel that'd be amazing one day we can all dream it just we, needs to decriminalize that'd be great thank you <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we're obviously living in a bit of a postcode lottery uh in the uk with the different constabularies and frankly some of them effectively already have there are clubs coffee shops uh cafes different organizations it's only going to be a matter of time before I mean, people already sort of do 420 friendly accommodation. You've just got to kind of know how to ask for it. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I'll speak from a point of privilege in a, from my position. Um, and that because of what I do, typically I can reach out to an area or a couple of people in an area and you'll, you'll find what is around there. And that most people will, not for money, but just kind of for respect of being a member of the community and for wanting to kind of, learn from you and and spend time with you and reciprocally of course to, to gain further knowledge from each other um well then kind of put, put each other up but yeah i want to see that whole that chain of um i mean the vision i guess i've kind of got is if you're a, a member of a club or a, a coffee shop patron or if you have some sort of card that attaches you to the the community as it were you can then go into a hotel and they give you i don't know like a different package you know, you go in and you spend an extra 50 quid or whatever, but your room doesn't happen to have a smoke alarm and your room comes with, you know, all the different... This basket full of, yeah, infused yeah. goodies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I'd mean... love to be a part of it. <laughs> someday, someday. Well, I think, yeah. honestly, if you look at hospitality as an industry, it's struggling. You know, COVID has really kicked the crap out of it a lot has. of industries. Whereas cannabis has been resilient. Look at the soon as they've allowed us to gather back together i think this year there is maybe nine or ten 
uh, illegal events already planned alongside the three major events in Boroughfest, Paradise and Product Earth. I know, going strong. So yeah, it's going it's to keep building and building. You, you can't keep keep us down as a community. People want to want to consume and to socialise and to, to look at all of the other, I don't want to say niche, but kind of uh, fringe and proliferal industries and applications. I mean, even with, with, with what you're doing, it's still quite a new, uh, a really new industry. I mean, globally, I think... Uh, they've limited it to CBD in terms of their statistics, but they're saying that the industry will be worth some of the region of $2.5 billion uh, by 2025 uh, for CBD Crazy figures, cosmetics. Yeah. yeah. But then I still feel that's a limitation on, on cannabis. So I recently wet, met, wet, I recently met, sorry, uh, a woman that uses um, essential oils produced from cannabis. And so she's not using cannabinoids or, or really even terpenes. It's, it's different compounds from within in the plant. So they're not um, scheduled. So then they're not included sort of within this uh, 2.5 billion. But I was just wanted to get your thoughts on, do you, do you think there'll be a greater efficacy or a wider diversity of products if we could suddenly allow all of the cannabinoids? It's not just CBD isolate. We could put different oils, different extracts within it. Definitely. You know, you've only got to think of like the entourage effect and, and things like that. Just, you know, even you say that. So isolating a compound, you know, CBD. OK, that's good. But then when you partner that with terpenes, um, you know, essential oils, there's so and, and even like that, the other cannabinoids that belong to that plant, it, it just creates a whole different product. Um, that's probably packing more of a punch than than the one that's just got the CBD and that you know the limitations on it. So I definitely do think that's to me that's how I always sort of vision it in my head is that it will open up, it will expand, and we'll be able to utilize and use more of this amazing plant because, like you say, the, just the effects that it has on your skin and and there's probably even things in the plant that we we're not we don't even hundred percent know about that that could be beneficial to us. You know, not just for our skin but for our inside as well. Yeah, I mean, we've just literally, was it this year, back in the last year? I always struggle with January trying to figure out when I've remembered something yeah. I've learned. Who am I? Where am I? I? Yeah. Um, so basically, recently, we've discovered uh, volatile organic, uh, volatile sulfur compounds. And these are a form of volatile organic compounds that are present in cannabis. And they theorized that there's a small group of them, we kind of consider them similar to terpenes, that are responsible for the, the skunky smell of cannabis. Wow. For that ubiquitous, you know, you walk down the street, smells like weed. You know, somebody's just smells smells like weed. That that weed smell beyond the terps. The, the yeah, they've just discovered those groups of compounds, and even within that, there's still proliferal compounds that are attached to that that they have not then classified yet. So we're then jumping on like, oh, we've got this thing, and we're like, do we really even understand this? You've you've labelled it. You're four days into observing it, and now you're already trying to jump onto the next thing and the next thing. And it, this is what. I feel is is frustrating that people like yourselves who are trying to do research and development around these sorts of products, you're hampered by the ignorance of others. You've learned you do, your you feel craft. Like you hit a wall, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you've you've learned your craft, and you've we're twenty twenty two now. You've put in years with this, and you've really, really uh, worked this from from a small sort of by doing everything I mean you still do from as far as I can see everything yeah. sort of by hand and you know a one-woman army frankly but the, the, the presence and the notoriety that you have developed over that time because of the consistency and quality of your products I think that could have been infinitum if you weren't restricted by oh it has to be just this and not that and you can't do that and not this 
No, you do find even just cosmetics alone. So even if you take away cannabis, hemp, they have to be assessed, um, which is, you know, a service that you pay for. Um, it's not it's not the cheapest, but I get why it's there. But with that, you you tend to hit a brick wall. You might get one assessor that goes, OK, I'll assess your full spectrum or your distillate CBD, um, you know, as long as you provide all of the certification to, and lab reports. But then you could come across another one and it's, you know, that they won't even look at you. They won't consider it unless, you know, no, it has to be CBD isolate and and just even that alone. And then I think like I, I really struggled with the terpenes when I wanted to get that approved in um, in the hemp monster. And obviously but they're not even like from the cannabis plant. So it was hard to like to explain. And yeah, it was it was really difficult, obviously. Like you say, you're trying to explain from just what you know and what your excess, you know, what's accessible to you in regards to research. However, you're talking to somebody that's a chemist, uh, you know, they've got this. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like you say, it's a bit of a mix and match of, of what people know and what they have access to. And it, it makes it very difficult. Yeah, you sometimes you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not here in like trying to create some sort of drug to, you know, <laughs> get out on the streets. I, I just want to make cosmetics and and use the plant power. Again, that's it shows the limitations of it. I speak quite often on this podcast of the restrictions of over specialization within an industry. So, yeah, you'll be dealing with somebody that's then gone and got a uh, high school education, gone to the A-levels, then gone to university, then probably didn't specialist education on top of that. And so they are so within their remit of knowledge. And then they've probably got a pre-existing prejudice because, well, drugs are bad. Why are drugs bad? Because they're illegal. Yeah, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't need to think about that. They're, they're bad. I'm a chemist. I, I don't do drugs. We do compounds. And so you, you can see that they would then be focused within that worldview. But then as you see, if you then hit, found somebody who didn't have that same restriction, instead of them looking at you going, well, they're just trying to make drugs somehow. Well, if they could actually understand, well, no, you're never going to be able to get high purely from the cosmetic production of a cannabinoid. There are subdermal patches, things like that, that you can use to increase bioavailability and move towards the, the idea of actually really being able to get high exogenously that way but the technology as far as i'm aware is not available especially not for for, for someone to make in their garage effectively do you know what i mean so uh, i think yeah the ignorance of the individual really hampers uh where you could go with this because as you spoke of before the entourage effect um really beneficial i mean the restrictions around these cannabis essential oils that i'm seeing now i mean this this individual i'm not going to name um no, name no. them or their, their brand but they're all power to them are fighting to be called cannabis because they are cannabis but the irony is they're being demonized for um, using a word <laughs> yeah because they, they don't contain in their product any cannabinoids or any restricted or controlled substances so it's because they've chosen to, to speak truth and go well i've extracted an essential oil from cannabis therefore it's a cannabis essential oil and they go no no no, no. it's a hemp essential oil and they go well no because it doesn't matter the cultivar it's come from it's not uh, and this person's really gone hard on defending the name of cannabis. And so obviously people have known me a long time. I, I dock my hat to that. That is yes, that's, the hill I, that's the hill I will die on. Cannabis that's is all. cannabis. So I just would then worry about the restrictions of the potential of, of that. I mean, we're already looking at, we've got quite a bit of information developing around sort of CBD as an anti-inflammatory product and as an isolate in cosmetics. What we don't really know is what these cannabis essential oils are doing. As you said before, all of these other compounds that we're only just starting to discover that are a part of a full extract or broad spectrum product, more than likely full, full rather than a broad, um, and those effects on 
you know, inflammation on and anything really you know what i mean on, on hair follicles on, on the, the and aromatherapy you know the, the same way as sort of lavender or you know chamomile and things like that you know that you've only got to sort of inhale them slightly and that they they have an effect on you so it's just kind of like you know what what is that doing for you you know for calming somebody's nerves or being able to help you sleep a little bit better at night without having to you know use sleeping pills and things that you know in the long run nobody wants to be taken forever or to, to use things like that because it isn't good for you and you know and even that these single compounds these essential oils you know the different cannabinoids it'd just be amazing to be able to team them all up together in a product it would just without having to you know like be demonized or be told no and and hit a brick wall yeah yeah um it's again it's, it's a speaker we know this with herbal tea blends and stuff like this, you know, you have night night tea and whatever else. I mean, people that have taken even things like a like valerian root or whatever, there are some powerful um, sedatory herbs that work through uh, aromatherapy and the, the, see you're activating these, these smell compounds. That's a terrible sentence. Thank you, Bryn. Um, these molecules that you know that, I like then, it so I'd come out with yeah, smell compounds there we yeah. go you know, you know what I mean guys you can, you can obviously tell I'm not a chemist I can hear uh my, my good friend my chemist friend Callie Seaman somewhere cringing at this but you I know what her, we yeah. mean Callie you know what we mean she'll um, forgive us yeah of course you will of course you will but yeah my, my point is that so we know those and that is like the some of the oldest medicine we, we've known that and had this intrinsic relationship with it for forever. So when you walk into the woods, you know, people say, oh, go for a walk in nature. What are you getting there? You're getting, like you said, piney and you're getting uh, lemon and you're getting different compounds from the flowers, from the plants, even from the dirt. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's from everything, the, all of these things just interacting. Yeah, and it's the synergy of your microbiome interacting with this, this larger um, sort of reality and constantly in communication of, if, if, of different um sort of signals that allow you to kind of step out of the the trap of yourself do you know what i mean we've been weaponized into believing that our thoughts are who we are when that it's really not it's another sense and actually if we get back to the idea of tactile things of touch of, of temperature of sensation and i think this is one of the things that aromatherapy and and cosmetics are really you know cosmetics it's it's difficult with the branding of it because then there's a lot of mass traditionally masculine men will like well and fight against this yet at the same time will then smell cedar wood or a vanilla or something and said so that they would find quite pleasant and still get a benefit benefit from yeah you've got your citrus you know it doesn't have to always be floral it's all right <laughs> you can you accommodate for all um but yeah i do feel like as well that um, you know, with CBD being so spoken about and being made mainstream over the last couple of years, I do feel like that that's kind of sparked something in a lot of people to, like you say, to get back to grounding yourself and, and realizing that, you know, pharmaceuticals, okay, yeah, they have a place for certain things and people, but that isn't just the option that you, you don't have to run straight for that. There's so many things like this past couple of years, I feel like, you know, I was getting in with a place of my anxiety that most days I started my day by being sick and and like I just get myself so worked up about everything and like you say you're not your thoughts and you really don't have to let that control you so you know just using things like meditation and and herbal remedies and and I know when but you start talking like that and people sort of roll their eyes but it really does make a difference and just affirmations there's just there's so many different things that you can do before you know you feel like you get to that point that okay, this isn't working, but if you don't try things and you don't know, do you? But I do feel like it has sparked something in people that 
that they're really getting back to their roots and, and really want to care for their well-being and their health. Yeah, yeah, there's this real renaissance of, um, I guess, self, self-interest. And I don't mean that in the same, self, same sense as selfishness. I mean, in that people are curious of, well, actually, input stimuli. I do something, it results in something. And if I change the something, the result changes. And once you start to understand that mechanism and people then will typically approach something like CBD as a way to, let's call it a gateway towards wellness. And so they'll kind of go, well, all right, this is available on the high street. I can get this little bottle and gee, I've got a bit of an ailment in my knee and maybe my sleep or whatever in it, because it's then helping supplement and regulate the endocannabinoid system for somebody that's then deficient. You're then going to see, yeah, that, that benefit and that, that improvement. But then it's the real exciting thing for me is when you start to move into the point of prophylactic consumption, once you start to have that relationship of going, well, actually, if I do this, I can offset this. And then you start to then gain a footing again of going, wait a minute, my action is bettering my health. It's not my reaction, my action. So then I think that's what's happening is people are then suddenly going, well, this dropper every week and I just feel better and I regulate better. And actually, because I'm feeling better. I'm going to go out for a walk in the woods. And then because I'm exposed to nature and whatever else, you know, I'm going to plan to go for a hike and uh, I'm going to take the dog out more. And then you've got more uh, oxygen uh, in your blood. You've got more blood flow. You've got a better fucking metabolism because you're speeding up the way that everything works. You know, you're training and strengthening your muscles again. You're you're engaging. And it's just these dominoes that that just keep the opposite of dominoes falling, I guess. You know I mean? It's the building of of this sense of self. And I think that cannabis is quite intrinsic to it because... The consumption of especially THC, we know causes introspection. It causes people to, uh, to go into a, a metacognitive state. So they start to think about how they think and they start to think about how they live and what they, they, they want to do, sometimes to their detriment. You know, we've all been couch locked, you know, really wanting to get up and, uh, and do, do something, go eat or to get out of the, the mindset. But all we're doing is stuck thinking about that conversation we had five years ago where oh, we, gosh, mis- yeah. we, we mispronounced a word um and ever since it's haunting us you know you know what i mean it's just so much <laughs> yeah so much the middle of the night sweats oh my god <laughs> yeah but that's, that's you, you evolving and sort of growing so i think that i would say there's prophylactic use of thing compounds like thc and cbn and for sort of spiritual development and things like that whereas then yeah we're looking at cbg cbd the the low or no psychoactive not non-psychoactive depending on how you want to term it uh, sort of cannabinoids i think they're massively beneficial prophylactically to the body to help prevent wasting you know uh to help prevent dysregulation to help prevent uh muscle atrophy or um things like cancer you know it is it's amazing it really is the plant is just like i say all all plants there's so many in that as well i feel like that because you think oh okay cannabis it can offer us this or like you say somebody's been using their cbd oil and they feel so much better and then they're telling a friend about it and i think it sort of sends you down this rabbit hole of okay if this plant that you know that's been kept away from us and we're told that's the the big bad um boogeyman you know what other plants can we get you know I think people always know about lavender and and things like that but if you really start researching you know things like black pepper and so they contain like cannabinoids and it's just it's it's amazing like there's just so many turmeric you know that can help with inflammation and and like I think like then when you start combining all these different parts you 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 create in medicine and 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 things for like spiritual activation and you know however you want to perceive it or you know what 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 you're into your interest it was uh oh god I am terrible with my ancient Greek teachers Hippocrates uh said let food be thy medicine yeah 
Um, yeah, I think it was Hippocrates. Yeah, I got that right. Get me, get me for my ancient Greek knowledge. Um, <laughs> but yes, and well, then exactly what you've just stated there, those are the ones even that we know of. So we know of even the strategic use of certain uh, different salts. Do you know what I mean? You said before, like the strategic use of black pepper with it, it containing, uh, is it alpha beta, beta carophyllene, I think it is, is the terpene within black pepper. And you can use that to basically reduce too much THC high. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's different things that we, we could, we're starting to understand that meant that, all right, if you're going to make edibles and you need to get THC into the system and for it to then convert into 11-hydroxy uh, in the body for certain illnesses and ailments, but you don't want that to convert and then make a high psychoactive impact. Instead of making it sweet, you could make it savory and add these different uh, spices and herbs and everything into it as a yeah, way to seasoning. off to offset those compounds, the again, the, the marriment of these traditional knowledges for, of plants and herbs, I think, yeah, next level. I mean, I truly believe that, again, the same thing of cannabis is a weed. It's intrinsic intelligence. Come at me for whatever you want to believe in that, uh, for however I've termed that. But I mean, the, the cannabis wants to be here. We have fought a, a war of eradication globally. We have used helicopters, flamethrowers, you know, chainsaws. We have burnt fields to the ground. It's crazy, Tens of thousands it? of men have tried to destroy it. It's everywhere. It's it's yeah, never she been ain't more going available. nowhere. <laughs> exactly. So I think that even that, how many other cannabis have we not found? How many of the, the weeds every day, the, uh, every spring that they come around and they spray with the roundup and all that other shit with the councils? Dandelions. Yeah. You know, you, you, you're taught to think that they're, you know, they're terrible, pull them out, you know, spray them with all these chemicals that you're then inhaling and they're not probably doing you the world good. But yeah, that you can take that, you can go and make dandelion coffee, you know, and, and teas and, and or you can infuse it into ointments and, and things like that. It, it's just mad, like you say, just for everything that grows around us that kind of from a young age that you, you taught that it's just no use, like it's no use, you know, cut it up, pull it out, kill it, like. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's the teachers to be fearful of nature yet and or rather it stalls this idea that we are not nature that we're somehow not natural yeah so it's again mushrooms are another one that really bothers me which we're really moving forward into understanding the 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 benefits of medicinal uh mushrooms so again i worry about the language i use here so i'm going to be trying mindful because obviously i don't like to use the term medical cannabis because i don't think it exists prescription cannabis i think is a much more accurate way of describing it so I i wouldn't want to then set poor precedent with the way I'm going to speak of mushrooms because I'm not a mycologist or too into that field as it currently stands. But from my understanding, there are quite a a vast amount of uh, currently um, categorized mushrooms that have known benefits as to whether we want to call them medicinal or not at this point. I guess we'll leave that on the fence, but my, my point stands that we're starting to really understand that something that we would look at and go, uh, 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 is dangerous and, and minging and, oh, it's going to kill you. Is yeah, it's it, poisonous. Um, yeah, it's actually, well, no, yes, there are many mushrooms that are poisonous and toxic, but actually through education, you'll be able to, 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 to avoid them. You know what I mean? It's not a case of the, just because 10 mushrooms in a bag of 100 could kill you, you shouldn't eat the mushrooms. If we teach you how to identify the 10, the other 90 mushrooms could have the cure for cancer. It could have, you know, the Mental cure for health. Parkinson's. And exactly, we're, we're really starting to understand that, especially psilocybin, um, about how, being able to, again, regulate yourself. So when you're you know, a bit run down, grab a bath bomb, you know, roll a nice joint, grab, grab, grab a, an infused bath bomb, boom, you then you relax and you, your skin from, you relax yourself inside and out. You've got an yeah, listen to a bit of love frequency, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's the same then as with, with psilocybin. Is I don't want to see the same with cannabis as almost being told, hey, go take this three times a day. You, you need that intrinsic relationship of instinct where you then go, ah, I just fancy it. Just fancy it. You shouldn't have to then justify it. As long as you're being conscious of your interaction with it, then you're probably, it's an instinctual need or want. And I was going to say, your body knows, doesn't it? You know, your body will crave things if you're lacking or, you know, you have a deficiency and things like that. So like you say, and I think your brain's the same. You know, if you need to take something and, you you know, you say if you you to have a trip then or you microdose and, and things like that, then you see the improvement within yourself and you're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, my body was right. And I think the more we in tune and the more we listen, a lot happier you know no one's going to be 100 happy every day that's just unrealistic but you know a lot more happier and healthier and a lot more understanding of this world and the amazingness of, of mother nature and what she offers i think it's it's kind of evident in in pregnant women i think that something in them kind of goes with the hormones and everything else and there are certain uh neurological structural changes that occur um but ultimately it is this thing of well i've got to take care of this and something switches up and you hear it all the time of pregnant women craving the weirdest of shit. And then when you look into it, you're actually like, oh, that's high in potassium. That's really high in iron. That's really high in this. And there's, there is an intrinsic, there's a, a bodybuilder. I can't think of the name of off the top of my head. I think I referenced this in a podcast recently, actually. And basically he, he says that about uh, like needing salt on him, whatever. He's, I don't, don't maintain a diet anymore. I literally, I eat. Body goes, I want this. I go have that. If I fancy a bit of extra salt in that, I need that. You know, if I need to up my weight routine i love that it's just he's arrived at a point where he's so comfortable and so in tuned with himself that the idea of then trying to regiment that is nah. and if i wake up and i've slept in for an hour that's going to change how much i'm going to want to eat if i then try and force myself to eat you've got to be able to be responsive and, and reactive whereas i think that life has kind of taught us to go here build your template build your 24 hours and then repeat that till you die and put so much pressure on yourself, yeah, that you that you're probably going to break down at some point and and find it hard to climb back up. So, yeah, and then don't you dare, don't you dare make yourself feel better with plants. Yeah, no Dead plants, poisonous. What the we've done, yeah. If we ferment it and create this this lovely swig, you can go home and get yourself screwed up on that. Yeah, you oh, can no. so you can smoke this other plant that we stole from a, a, a culture half a world away, and then is now sprayed with two hundred carcinogens, and we sell to you at an inflated price. But yeah, don't don't you grow one at home and, and consume. Yeah, don't it, you yeah. heal yourself and we'll know about it. And don't you dare share your experience online either, because we'll uh, ban you. It's the, 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 hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of this. It's one of the things that um when I, I came to think of I need a or I wanted a cosmetic guest, I wanted somebody to talk about the the beauty beauty industry, is that even how it's described? Health yeah, and, you can't yeah. beauty. I don't know, maybe we feel a bit weird there, because on the other side of that, is, it's not an ugly industry. And then we see there's an arbitrary line where you're like, ah, you're not attractive enough to be in the beauty industry. No, I think it's either <laughs> because it's, it's used for your beauty. I'm, I always say cosmetic, the cosmetic industry, because, you know, it's just made up of lots. You've got makeup, you've got, like you say, there's products that you could use for um sports and, and like that but then you've got stuff that you probably you know you just want to be nice and moisturized up or like you want to go and relax in the bath so yeah i always call it cosmetic industry but i think it is classed as the the beauty industry i've never realized how quite a lauded term that really is before until i uh, said it out loud um but yeah, you then obviously pop straight away as as the guest that I'd, I'd want to sort of discuss this with and 
as I think we alluded to, maybe, I don't know if we had the camera rolling at Product Earth, and we were saying about the hypocrisy of huge corporations like Boots and others that can then, uh, who's the other one that really pissed me off, Body Shop, put huge cannabis leaves all over their windows, using the words cannabis and being really in your face about it. And then when you look at it, a lot of the products were things like hemp seed oil. You know, yeah, it, I did look into that. Yeah, just a little bit of your old cannabis tea seed oil. Yeah, which again is hemp oil. I use that just on my face a lot of the time. It's it's a great um, adds a lot of moisture and, and and things like that. But yeah, I know what you're saying. It's um, yeah, it's hard. I I really struggle at the moment. That's probably like my biggest thing that I I find hard to get motivated with now is creating content and and being online. And I think that's just because it just doesn't get seen or you're told oh you can't post that. You're you you know you, you're going against guidelines and I just think like but I'm but I'm not essentially like I'm like you say I'm not using anything different or wording things any different to these big big corporations and and brands that have been around for many years and I don't like to be you know negative about it because I think okay they do reach a lot more people and they open a lot more people up to to what it is and what what benefits but at the same time I I don't know it's a hard one but yeah it's uh, it's definitely not fair yeah, but I mean, it's the way the world seems to work, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, under the the its current incarnation, yeah. And I mean, I think it is structurally uh, unfair in that I feel it's people like yourself that have then kind of taken that first initiative and got in ahead of ahead of the game and have gone, all right, I'm going to establish this, I'm going to work at this. I've done it from a point of passion and a point of experience. You're not just cashing in on the next big trend. You're not just yeah. jump, jumping on and moving through this. You're invested in this. And I think... It's the ethos, it's the brand identity, it's the the narrative and the story behind it that is what will, in my opinion, should give you legs, should help you grandfather into this industry because the boots, the 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 other large sort of producers, I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to pick on you here, boots, um, but you're just the easiest one I can think of straight off the top of my head. But any of these sort of mainstream um, retailers, you know, these, these online retailers, they're just selling shit. They're so, if you look at the products that they're actually producing for the, the majority, they are the CBD companies and the brands that got through the door because they played the game. They marketed themselves solely as hemp or they chucked a couple of million in investment. You know, they made sure to say that, oh, well, all the buzzwords, you know, we're non-psychoactive, we're THC-free, you know, we're not from that demon marijuana stuff. And they present <laughs> themselves as this, you know, above reproach kind of holy than thou fucking gentrified whitewashed uh hemp hemp brand do you know what i mean whereas then the cannabis industry and community that have then kind of gone all right we'll we'll, we'll play that and we have to then have bullied into it and then still ostracized and, and censored for it and then go well you use the c word and you're like yeah well they've got it in giant letters on the front of their, their high street who you can have a deal with here you know you can walk down the street and, and sm- smell weed i'm gonna stop this guy and search his pockets they've got a giant sign and arrow saying they've got cannabis go deal with them it's it it creates this multi-tiered structurally unsound and unfair system that well but if it's all cannabis and cannabis is cannabis why is it what i do with cannabis is bad and what they do is good so is what you're saying that the cannabis isn't bad i'm bad there is this it is especially when essentially you have jumped through all the same hoops you know you've gone and got your cosmetic assessment you you make sure that everything's labeled as it should be and you're including all the information and then yeah as soon as you come to somewhere you know online or your website and things where you're trying to to sell is when you really see it like like you say is then 
then certain big brands are running huge compact um like you know things about like the cannabis products that they're making and using and and using all these words that that you'd soon be ostracized for on online so for instance my piece in cannabis um bath bomb i couldn't add it to my shop on facebook they kept saying that basically i was trying to sell drugs and it was just and that they wouldn't approve it and, and yeah it was like i think i did shed a few tears i thought i've created this beautiful bath bomb it has a, a cannabis leaf on it a peace symbol i've named it peace and cannabis and i can't put it anywhere right? i can't share it with anyone because i'm being told that that i'm selling drugs whereas you know like i say and then you'll see on a, a sponsored post on Instagram and it's like oh cannabis infused uh shampoo or something like that and yeah it's it's crazy yeah and it's it's again the frustration is something um uh, I'm trying to think how much of this I can put on public record I have previously kind of maybe uh motivated a few individuals to speak to um people within certain sectors about the legality of the wording of certain products. So one thing that it's, it's shampoo, shampoo balls. It really, really pissed me off uh, not that long ago around seeing a lot of the mainstream um, shampoo manufacturers suddenly being like, oh, cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. And so there's a couple of them went in with, with hemp wording and I was like, mm, mm, well, hemp doesn't really exist. So, okay, let's have a look at this. But all of them on the back, ingredients, uh, cannabis, uh, seed oil from cannabis sativa l so it was it was named with the botanical name and so that then got me in a thought process of well actually wait a minute yeah when you put a product out there that is a botanical extract you have to use its latin name it's it's yeah the universally yeah yeah, recognized internationally standardized terms then i was looking around at all these different products that call themselves hemp and what we're hemp seed oil and i'm like well hemp seed oil doesn't exist because hemp doesn't exist. So you only have low THC cannabis oil. And so look at the semantics of it. And there's some real big flaws and holes in some major, I'm not going to name them for legal reasons, but major manufacturers in this country are currently mislabeling themselves. They're in violation of a lot of branding and packaging laws. And when the system finally catches up to that, and it's not because of me mentioning it on a podcast, it's going to be because... um, I can't think of any other bloody players in this industry, but yeah. So with Boots or Body Shop, then come along and suddenly go, well, we want to clear that space for ourselves because they've already, they've already done it right. They started wrong. I mean, there's still an argument, a massive argument to be had here about the taxonomy of leaf. So you need indica leaf, broader, closer together. Your sativa leaf is is thinner, is thinner more 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 open in your your roots, ruderalis. All kinds of combinations. I've seen leaf come up, leaves come out with that that look like broccoli. Uh, but the, the point is that an indica and a sativa leaf are very different. So actually, if you wanted to argue the semantics of the old world interpretation, the uh, in, indica or of India cannabis was traditionally then seen without the in, interference of man to be a much higher THC product, therefore would be more likely to uh, be consumed as a narcotic or intoxicant. Whereas then the sativa lineage, because of the uh, the length of time that it would take uh, to grow and the style in which it was cultivated uh, would yeah, produce longer skinny leaves because it was competing with a much denser area, whereas the indica plants would have the space to really uh, open up and create these sales to, to generate the, uh, the solar conversions into sugars and uh, complex carbohydrates plants bring them into. I'm really showing my uh, weakness here in plant biology. But, you know, I mean, into the process of, of building and structuring the plants, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of these companies went out and put indica leaves on. 
and then went and marketed themselves as hemp. So it just showed that there is, again, real misunderstandings because they're, it's gimmicks to them. They're not interested it is, it, in they're representing a, They're a big business, aren't they? It's, it's, it's the next thing that's that's bringing this in, isn't it? The the money. And, and so I don't think, like you say, if you haven't got the, the passion or a connection and the, the real want to, to change the stigma around it, you know, not just to create your products and 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 make the money but to to really help the plant you know help cannabis be seen for who she really is and what she can do yeah it's just um yeah I just think that's that's why it's you no know, the research isn't there necessarily it's just kind of like you know find a picture of a cannabis leaf and stick it on there and we'll stick that seed oil in there and, and that's it you know we'll, we'll sell hundreds of if not thousands and of this product because it's the you know they see it as they're riding the the new thing but I just yeah it's here to stay and she needs to be understood and and yeah yeah it's interesting I was just thinking there in my head that they basically all show a depiction of a five or a seven leaf as well whereas you know good growers will tell you you, you can pop out some like 13s you know um I'm not gonna incriminate myself sort of too much <laughs> in, in in previous productions in grow spaces um quite a lot of the as i would highly rate them uh some of the the bsb genetics always always chucking out 11s and 13s just just really huge monstrous leaves that are just Fans, drawing yeah. Yeah, drawing in that that energy and it's so it's i would say that's a, a, a marker of health so actually maybe if we then knew more about the plant people would actually be going oh well here's a here's a 17 here's a whatever yeah. and people she's just, a healthy leaf yeah, yeah just, just showing this for just more and more open until eventually it just becomes a, a 360 of, of points off we're going there's 27 in there we win do you know I yeah, I'd, I love that competition of like you know like that when they who can grow the biggest watermelon or something like that. Yeah, like, I, I, I want to the... see the broadest leaf. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, like but... that. We should do it. Yeah, it's interesting. So, cosmetics. So this is one of the things I want to speak about as well. That I feel that your uh, ec- the economics of your industry are massively hampered by the restrictions. So, if there was a truly legal, ubiquitous, regulated, descheduled. Uh, cannabis industry for people that consume in this country, we would have thousands of tons of byproduct, which would then give us all of the other uh, products that I think that yourselves as an industry would would need. Jeremy, you, know I you could have cannabis terpenes. You could have the the basically if it was going to be to for isolate products to be built back in, you can use CBD biomass uh, and biosynthesis to alter and convert any cannabinoid into basically any other cannabinoid. Yeah, I had uh, somebody, he sent me some CBD and CBG um, biomass um, to sort of have a play around with. And it was, you know, it was just so much fun to sort of come away. Obviously it's not to sell. Um, I know I just wouldn't be able to get it assessed um, as as it currently stands, but yeah, it was just really nice to play with it. And and that kind of, to me, that was what I was thinking to myself as, as I was creating with it, I thought, it would just be so good, like, because a lot of this probably just gets wasted. And it's such a shame because nobody can legally use it. So, you know, obviously I've made up some packs and I'll be sure to, to hand them out and, and put them in as little freebies and for people to use. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so many different things that we'd, we'd be able to use and, and incorporate. I mean, it's, there's a... Oh, this is going back a few years. I'm trying to pull this out of a, an Icemark article. I think there was an American study... Don't quote me on the year. I'm going to reckon around 2017, something like that, or at least 2017, I think, was when I wrote about it. Um, the, they found uh, from metadata analysis that 
a good grower can get in the region, I think it was eight to nine percent cannabinoids on on waste stock. Eight wow. to nine percent of the mass of the, those stalks that are yeah, going into bins, council state bins that are being littered across the countryside, they're going into to, to waste. Yeah, it can be eight to nine percent cannabinoids. So wow. it's, it's, it's a lot of cannabinoids. Yeah. Even, even in the legal regions where I've traveled, America, Canada, wherever, the licenses restrict that you a flower producer. Yeah, then you produce flowers leave the biomass like they have to mulch it or some places are trying to create uh looking at creating uh reclaim so basically they would go around the farms and reclaim it and then be able to to do whatever but then the obviously the industry are like well why can't we do that on site why would you have to create another peripheral i want to see vertically vertical integrated uh, industry i think i spoke of this in a vice article recently uh with nana bar and was just basically stating that you could take a brown belt site grow cannabis on it clean up the soil, clean up the air, sequester the carbon, build a building, inside that building grow cannabis. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean? And then use pow- cannabis to power it. And you know what I mean? It, it's the staff the uniforms could be made of cannabis. The meals on oh, a lunchtime, they could be eating cannabis. It's, it, yeah, it, it's mental. That, but they're never going to, I don't think, allow all of that to, they want it all to be separate because they can't allow the common man, the layman, layman to, to, understand what the people of passion and knowledge in our community know and that's that this thing could give us everything well effectively everything yeah but then it takes away again it's this going back to that isn't it big corporations elites and things like that you're you're then taking from them and obviously we know they don't like that so but I do feel like and I like to try and stay positive and 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 think that way is that that we're heading somewhere that that is positive and that we are reclaiming back and you know, people are like, this is how it needs to be done. This is how we, you know, sort of should be living and, and you know, look out for yourself, you know, don't sort of look and, and have somebody that who really doesn't care about your health and well-being tell you what you need for your health and well-being or like that or for infrastructure and 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 just, yeah, we like to waste it, like not us particularly, but it seems to be that with anything. I used to work in like um, the food industry for like a factory many years ago. And I remember like how sad it would make me feel like just seeing these bins full of like food and things that there was nothing wrong with it. And yet, you know, people are hungry and and it would just it'd just be it'd be wasted. Bye bye. See you later. There's no there's no room for this sort of thing. And I just think like, we, we can do better. <laughs> we, we know we can do better because we do things to prevent people accessing that food. So for legal reasons, I'm not going to name which supermarket chain used to work for <laughs> as a teenager. But I worked as a team leader on produce, the fresh produce department. And one of my responsibilities at the end of most days was a job that I loathed, was stocking the waste. And we had um, a group of individuals uh, known colloquially by the staff as the clampets, is what they used to call them. And they were uh, a socioeconomically disadvantaged family that were all mishoused in really substandard housing. You know, they were, weren't getting the mental health assessment they needed. They weren't uh, given interventions that they, you know, were entitled to as citizens of this country, that small interventions that would have made their lives drastically more improved. And ultimately they would go through the bins um, as a way to, to find food. So then we were like, all right, we're gonna start locking the bins and start locking the bins, start breaking the locks. So, so then they went, all right, what we want the staff to do now is when you're doing the waste, is damage those products if you've got a yogurt you smash that yogurt in that bag get it all over the other product you've got more milk let the milk come pour over it if you've got a moldy pumpkin smash that pumpkin in it you want you want it to be as unappealing as possible and so they were paying me to destroy 
waste food that to them was going to cost them nothing so that somebody couldn't harm the economics of the situation. They couldn't gain a small hand up for a moment for an evening's meal for free. And it was such that that was one of the things that burnt me out was I, I, I had a meltdown after leaving that, that role because I saw the economics of the system. I saw it from the inside out and I hated it. I loathed and despised that mechanism. And I was getting pushed towards, oh, we're going to store manager. And you're going to, and I was like seeing this trajectory for 50 years of my life, just denying people food whilst putting food on shelves. And the paradox of it was so palpable and painful. Yeah, it just, it just, I know, out, and that's essentially the world we live in, isn't it? So, yeah, things do, and and it seems to be coming from the the smaller businesses and corporations or whatever you know you want to call it, and these people that are passionate about what they're doing is you think of every step of the way all the way to your waste. You know, people don't want to just chuck things away and and add to the landfills or you know take away from somebody that that you can give back to for for nothing, and it just, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't make you lose that but at the same time I don't know I just see it as like it's like a, a cycle and uh, you know we could be living in a such a better cycle that could benefit everybody and it doesn't take away anything either yeah yeah in, entirely you know just, but unfortunately the world doesn't run by those sorts of people so <laughs> but I think the, the passionate caring the, the the weird and the wonderful as I described them and I count myself happily and proudly amongst yeah, them we're all a collective. But are, are going to inherit the world because greed can only go so far self-interest can only go so far narcissism hedonism ego, egoism it can only go so far before it becomes cantankerous it becomes self-destructive you know and it then starts to feed on itself and I think that's what we're seeing with this kind of late stage capitalism is that the corporations are having to greenwash us now. They're having to pretend that, oh, no, we're saving the planet, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Des <laughs> desperately, desperately so that we don't stop and go, do we need fabric softener, though? Fuck them changing the packaging and whatever else. If we just stop it, we save trillions in, in energy Make and carbon own. and whatever. Yeah, if we then go our toilet paper, if we suddenly then went, oh, like, all this cannabis would go and if we mulched it, or whatever you know if we could you'd end the dioxin industry which is worth billions and is the second largest per polluting substance on the planet it's in the breast milk of 99 percent of, of all mammals and it comes from white paper it comes from the oh we want paper to look white and clean and again why rather than going oh we're going to recycle that paper can we just pause a second and go why the fuck does it need to be white yeah, we're not born that way, are we? I always think that you're not born to have these ideologies and to think that way. Like you, I don't know, you you go by sort of instincts in your early days. And I don't know, yeah, like you say, well, it's, 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 an, mad it's that indoctrination, we... isn't it, really? It's you're kind of you're given your stuff and you're not taught to question things. You're taught the opposite to just go, that's how it is, go. Accept it. And you leave school at 16 going, well, I know everything about the world and I don't ever need to ask another question again. And, and a lot of people, unfortunately, live that way. And until a For death, a life. tragedy, mm. a major shakeup in their life, they're never going to go up. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe what I learned 40 years ago, it's, it's changed. Maybe I should update my, you know. And unfortunately, that's a lot of people that get entrenched and they get very uh, laser focused into a smaller and smaller worldview. That 24 hours I was speaking of before, they build it and go, this is what I want. I want this for me dinner. I want to get up at this time. I want to do this job. I want to do that. And they just repeat that 24 hours until they die. Every year, a couple of years ago, oh, we'll take a week off, you know, and they sit on a beach and they get bored. So sad. And they can't I? sit with themselves and enjoy the presence. They can't. 
understand that smell. You caught talking about aromatherapy. I'm not, and I mean that of both genders. I'm not obviously I'm a man. That's why it came across quite basic. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, but you the do. dismissiveness yeah, of people that are going, I'm not interested in the experience of life, and you're almost you're like, then why the hell are you alive? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think they, unfortunately, those people are traditionally prohibitionists. They're traditionally quite um, conservative. They're traditionally quite, usually more towards radical Judeo-Christian beliefs, whether they even recognize them as such. Do you know what I mean? You know, heteronormativity, uh, capitalist structures, um, the nuclear family, you know, uh, the career uh, ladder, those kind of things. That's what they've taught. That's what they'll do. And so every few years, they might check in with themselves, you know, with a few drinks too many and go like, oh, well, well, I've got the kids. I've ticked that off. I mean, I don't like them, but they don't like me. I'm, I'm, I'm on my second marriage. You know, like that's two. That's don't twice, like him, twice don't as, like me. Yeah, twice as good. You know, I've worked for 30 years for the same guy. He's a billionaire now. I can't pay off my mortgage, but I'm still a good no, guy. You know, got, yeah, keep necking the sure. pints and it, you know what I mean? And they're just, and that's not to say anything against people that consume alcohol. I'm not no, Because it's that. easily done though, isn't it? It's easily done to, to, to live your life like that because you're programmed from the minute you take that first breath into this world. And you know, you brought, but I have family members that I, I don't speak to now. And it's simply because I found them and the way that they fought and how they thought I should live my life was toxic and you know, it is sad in the, the hindsight of it. You think, oh, okay, that's my family and things. But at the same time, I think, well, well, no, like we just, we're not, I also, you know, we're not on the same plane. That's how I see it. We're just not, you know, I'm not here to to do those things. I, I really want to make a difference, especially now that I have my little girl. And it's things like that, that she's so like in tune. And I think a lot of kids are. That's why I think like you're not born to obviously be the way that we are or what we drill into everybody's heads. It's just, She's so in tune with herself and and things around her. And I, I just, I don't know, I'm always like, I want to encourage that. And I don't want anyone to take that away or try to take that away. So I think uh, you're representative of a generation of women that have gone. It's not about indoctrinating the previous worldview. It's about a true creation of a new one. You don't know the world your daughter's going to grow up in and you're humble enough to prepare her for that. Instead of going, here's what it's going to be. Here's what you have to be. You're going... I don't fucking know what the world's going to be. Let's make it the best, <laughs> best human possible. And I think that, that that's a difference. And you're breaking those generational stigmas by being brave enough and bold enough to, I wouldn't say turn your back on your family at all, uh, but in, no, a sense, no, in, 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 a, in a sense of understanding that you are not obligated to, to your kin. This is something that a lot of people really need to get your head around is that, yeah, your parents may have birthed you into this world, but as soon as you are over 18 legally, mentally socially physically you are autonomous you are an individual you they may yeah you may piss them off and do something they disagree with but you are responsible entirely for your action you are capable of creating the reality in which you find yourself within i mean it feels a lot to me that and i, I say this obviously i suppose growing up without a father and quite a destructive um uh, family unit myself yeah. i'll say to kind of preface this is that um not being obligated to tradition peer pressure from from dead people from your own family from well your great uncle used to do well I, all power to him and good for him for doing that but that, that doesn't inform what i'm doing now unless i'm still in the same industry or we're all in the same business or there's there's some uh direct connection through that it's other than it's just another piece of information do you know what i mean and i feel that we end up damaging and limiting and, and handicapping our, our children and our friends and our family and our communities through tradition, through this idea of that you have to continue what has been done. We should incentivize curiosity and, and 
novelty and you know an instinct yeah your natural instinct yeah but I do feel like you're saying I feel like that is going to change and and especially because how we feel and and what we believe in and then like you know if you do go on to have children and things I think yeah the whole parenting style and it's just just changing you know we're, we're allowing people to to grow into who they are and who they want to be and see the world how they want to see it so it's interesting actually uh, so I learned something the other day um this year is the first year since 1920 in the UK that 50% of women who are 30 have not had a child I know I I, I love that as well I, ju- I, ju- I just love it that you've not again that's just something isn't it when you as a woman especially that when you're growing up you're told that you know that you'll you'll marry and you'll have kids and and you know you might have a career you might not but, you know, you'll look after everybody else and, and that's the way it goes. Whereas like people, you know, women or, or whatever you want to, you know, as you, what you identify as is, is like, no, I, I, I'm doing this for me. I, I, you know, I want to live my life. If you don't want to have kids, you, you don't have to have kids. Like, I think that's what the problem is a lot of the time. A lot of people have kids and they don't particularly want them. And it, it's not an easy job either. It is hard and it's draining and, and all the other things, but at the same time rewarding. But um, yeah, no, I, I do love that. That's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's something I was just sort of thinking of as we were chatting there is the difference because when I uh, I mentioned that in front of somebody's mother, uh, obviously of, a, of an older generation, and they instinctively went yet. So, so yeah. I said said that in the interview, and yet, and it kind of went well, well, no, and we kind of explored this this thing, and it it led me to to a whole series of thoughts that. The children raised by women in their 30s, I'm sorry, are going to be far better off than the children raised by women in their 20s, in my opinion. In my no, opinion, I completely agree. And I've heard that. The opportunity people. to gain more finance, about the opportunity to gain more experience, to be more mature. patient. The, I mean, me at, me at 21 and 22, my worldview versus me at 31, 32. You give me another human to look after, Jesus Christ. I mean, my cat, God bless him, wherever he is, he's 15. He made it through me twenties, but only no, just. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let alone Christ, a, a, another human. It's yeah. So I mean, obviously, I'm, and I don't mean that negatively towards anyone that has had children young. So I, I don't take it personally, frankly. And if you have that, unfortunately, I think says more about you than than what my statement actually in, implies. Um, but yeah, hit me in the comments if you you want to continue that conversation. <laughs> but yeah, you, you get you get sort of my my, my point. So what's your feeling um, on that? No, I completely agree. I, I've got friends and and the people like you know on the school run and stuff. And there's a, there's a lady she didn't have her little girl who's the same age as my child um, until she was about thirty five. And I even noticed the difference to how I parent and I'm I can sometimes get myself I I worry about things and a little probably a bit too much than you should or. I think, like, oh, you know, and put pressure on myself, whereas they don't. It's just kind of like, why, you know? And they, they just, I don't know. There, there is a difference. I've noticed that myself, and um, I didn't know that that was the, like the statistics. And I think that's just amazing. And I think as well, it comes from women having more and being able to be more career driven and, and driven within their life and their wants. You know, it's not just all about that. Yes, you can grow this child, or you know, possibly grow this child inside you, but it's your choice if if you want to or not. So. Yeah, and like you say, I, I definitely do think, you know, um, people that, that wait to go a little bit later and have their children uh, tend to parent a lot. I don't want to say a lot better because I feel like, you know, I, I think I'm a good mum, you know. I think I, maybe this statement saying they're a bit more, they're potentially more well-equipped. 
for the role. Yes, yeah. Like I say, with the patience and the the understanding and probably not putting as much pressure on yourself. And I suppose it's the, the, the thing of humans in our 20s, we're, we're, we're coming out of puberty. You know, we're, we're not, we've just, li- we've lived, we've built ourselves for the school experience. We're told this is what life's going to be. Then we're kicked out in the real world and all of a sudden go, well, on your that, own. That, yeah. that was a on lie, what the self. hell? And you've got to try and figure everything out and you're building all of this stuff together. We're so full of self-doubt, of self-loathing, of, you know, a lack of confidence and worth and identity that it seems unfair to then go, well, now raise this one and not expect us to put our trauma and our damage into it. Like, how, can, I, we, how yeah. can we not? We're supposed to have an opportunity to to mature, to evolve, you know, the, the, the joke of it, of saying there's a time and a place for everything and it's called college. Well, it's like, yeah, we need the time to explore those things and then to, to get beyond that educational institution and then into the real world. And Life at the minute, experience. At the minute, it's not where it is. You can't, you can't expect, you can't be this a traditional conservative value man going, well, I, I just want to find a woman that's going to settle down and birth my children. And from like, it's not the same way. The only reason you're going to find that or where you're going to find that is in higher class, is in a woman that is born into a position where she doesn't immediately have to work to survive. More and more people are immediately pushed into poverty from as soon as you're an adult. You're just like, well, you're broke now. You you always rent, you always bills, energy's going up. You got to eat, you got to pay for your car, you know? Yeah, debt, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, again, it's just another added pressure and stress, isn't it, into your life? Um, So yeah, I do do agree with you completely. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy with the one. And I always said, I think if I was to ever have another one with my partner, it, it would be, you know, into my thirties. I'm 29 now, just turned 29. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've sort of grown a lot, you know, since I think for me, having my child was a, a thing of like, right, okay, I've got to get my act together. Like my mum had me when she was 15, 16, and it wasn't very fun growing up, you know, and it was a different time. Then she had mental health problems and things that just wasn't, wasn't helped and wasn't identified. So it was a bit of a struggle however and then I think then I was sort of just in this chaos and and going through life and, and not really knowing and then yeah sort of into my mid-20s I had my little girl and it was just like a switch for me of like okay like I really do have to put the work in now and and be a better person and have more of an understanding and and things like that so that like you say that you don't then pass it down because it isn't fair like so yeah but I know not everybody does that and it's not easy yeah, it's it's difficult, and a lot of that is it's all unintentional. I would say no one intends to ever traumatize or harm a child. I mean, I made a very hypeable statement that uh, Maka very vehemently disagreed with on one of the very early episodes, and I said that all uh, raise any action of raising a child is a form of child abuse because the world is so fucked that you just you can't. You can give them all the tools in the world, but you kind of still made them happen. Um, and again, that's not a judgment on anybody that's chose to have kids. And I've probably maybe slightly evolved my position on that, or at least softened the corners of it. Um, and I believe that people like yourself that then can consciously r- rear children, rear? So let me see, like a farm animals? Is that the I was going to say, yeah, she's... But um, do you know what I mean? Raise, raise. There we go, raise. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can see my intentions to not have children in that in that sentence. <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to raise then a child consciously, to then make a world that they could then live in. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before I was very sort of almost apocalyptic and quite doomsday of like, well, yeah, we're fucked and we've probably got 40 years and we'll see, see how good we can get it. But actually, if we 
created a generation of, of conscious individuals and i don't mean that in the cliched kind of woke yo man no no, no i mean in the sense of people that can read reality that can discern fact that can communicate that can discuss debate strategize and formulate and create new models and new modalities and ways of being that they couldn't in a generation create a world for countless generations to come that I, I truly believe there is no tipping point there is no mass extinction event other than obviously the, the sky literally falling and then a you know a, a mass meteorite or, or asteroid strike something like that that I think that we have this opportunity and that those that choose to, and bless it won't be me and my missus, um, th- th- then to do that can raise those conscious minds. And I think that th- then the collectivism of all of these people together, not growing in isolation, but growing organically, not in the monoculture, not in the, the, the status quo that is developed by the, the ruling elite, that they will be able to then challenge and question it and create industries within nascent um, movements like cannabis to be able to make real money make real progress and make real impact into the direct lives and experience of the people around them no definitely yeah that that's that's kind of like my parenting um goal really is just sort of like you know let her be who she is but at the same time it's just the importance the real importances of life you know not what they tell you should should be important and like I say I honestly I do believe that you're just sort of naturally born with that like the way that she she looks at plants or or nature or even when she's outside it's just they have kids just seem to have so much more love and and respect for the world around them I probably not all I don't know but yeah it's um so I think it's just a case of nurturing that and and keeping that at the forefront I think uh Aldous Huxley when he was talking about uh the the English uh, literary sort of master was when he was talking masculine and he spoke of um, some psychedelics opening this valve of consciousness of like awareness and I think as a child you're born with it open yeah and you are accepting and aware and it's almost I think too it's I think it's overstimulating for the first few months all of that because you've got the full spectrum of light the full spectrum of sound and I feel that you then focus into it over that you've got to adjust to the world you're in in the same way as you trip when you first come up you can walk can be disorientating you've got to get used yeah, to a bit sick, the, the light moment. the light levels that you're working on the audio levels that you're working on and then you focus into it and you're like okay Tune i'm here in. and then you don't notice that you were on that limited or thing until you're not on that that presence and i think kids are born with that and then they are so hyper aware of their caregiver they're they're the person that they look up to before they even have language and linguistics they then see oh my mom touched that that's obviously a good thing she didn't touch that that's obviously a bad thing even before good and bad are concepts and so yeah yeah that, I think the, your attitude and your nature and your curiosity installs into your child quite young so if you're then anxious if you're you're frightened if you're in a state of constant struggle to survive because you again, not to make any judgments or whatever, but the mechanism we spoke of about the age of having a child and being prepared, that if you're underprepared, I think that the the impact that that can then have on that child's development at such a young age that's vitally important for the development of cognition and relationships, yeah, it can be massively. But then on the other side is that if you really can put that energy and that effort in, you can make resilient humans. You can build them so that, yeah, as long as you get that, I truly believe from the, what I've learned about like child psychology and my own psychology and my own experiences, et cetera, that it's, it's what they reckon it's uh, 12 months to about three years to maybe some sort of the psychologist say five years, but you get right in there. Basically the rest of it, you can fix because the rest of it's words. 
you can then talk to them. It's conceptual. You have to get the action right and prove that when they're young. Once you've taught them linguistics and the ability to communicate, you can then go, oh, no, I was wrong about that. What it actually is is this. And they go, all oh, right, cool. And they can edit their own data. You can't edit those first experiences. No, you can't, no. So because, that- again, as well, their, their memories, is, it's not necessarily something that you're going to remember, but it, it is, it's sort of engraved on your soul, isn't it? It's just there, so it's, it's etched in, yeah. 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 I mean, this is what the, a lot of the, not to go too spiritualist, but the sort of the people that are looking at, I mean, everything from even like breath work through to, to ayahuasca uh, and people working with MDMA treatments and things like that for PTSD, is there's, yeah, starting to really understand um I mean, some, some people speak of birth trauma and say that that's the original trauma and that there is something of the human consciousness that holds on to this traumatic experience. Uh, I'm not going to address that right now. I just wanted to put that there because somebody yeah, yeah. took it in the comments. Um, but yeah, from then youth of these traumatic events, because we can't conceptualize them and we can't put it into words, I can't go, I was this, I felt this and this. Because when you think of it almost, you didn't have the language at the time. And it's very difficult for a lot of people to retrospectively put uh, the ability to art- articulate and describe that experience. So it's never then obtainable for them to ever really do any work on it. No, to process it or speak about it and then yeah. and have something, you know, somebody come back and say, well, actually, yeah, no, it's just there. So, yeah. you know, that's really interesting. One of the things that I find as well from, from friends that I've spoken over the years, as well as the, a parent in a hypervigilant state that's in this, I'm just, I'm working 90 hours a week and I'm doing everything and they're in and out and rah, rah, rah that they can then in their mind and they have they've done the best thing for that child but then maybe 15 20 years later if that child sits down with that parent and goes do you remember this and they have two different versions of that event and then the trauma can often be as a defensive thing in the parents point of view of going, i did my best i did my best and then it's not allowing the child to explore the trauma from their point of view it's not validating their emotions or their experience and this it can then compound it and i think a lot of children die a lot of a lot of children's parents die before they ever get to have those questions, ask those questions, Definitely. you know? Yeah, no, it is. And I think it's just, like, again, I think it's the society that we live in and and how you, you perceive that things should be because if you slowed everything down, you know, money, being rich and things doesn't, it doesn't make mean that you're going to be a better parent. You know, it's about time and understanding and like you say, and, and, and representing and, and showing like how things you know not should be but just sort of like that that you can express yourself and you know it hasn't got to be all oh my god like you know I need to do this or, you know I'm so tired I, you know I'm not going to sit and do this and that and because and it just like you say then it all adds up and before you know it years have gone and it's, it's sort of too late so yeah it's all about yeah. slowing down and being present very true especially with the the technology and everything that, that we have at our fingertips I must admit I find myself sometimes overwhelmed I mean this morning I was a bit like when I looked at my uh my worksheet for today I was like oh my god I'm basically with three recordings and two video chats you know and then the de- writing deadline and all this other stuff and I immediately got overwhelmed like really like, <gasps> and I was like yeah it's a horrible I'll feeling do, do the one thing then I can stop I'll have a coffee and I'll plan and then if I do this alongside this and yeah it's just having that that space to reflect and I think that I'm lucky in that I was able to learn that as an adult but I'd have been far luckier if I was blessed to have learned that as a child. I always think that, yes, definitely. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. that, yeah, parents like yourself, and you can see it in the the, the love that you have for and the way that you, you show it on social media. I think that you're not 
she's not an object or a possession to you. It's, she's not an accessory. She's, she's not, this makes me look good. Just look out, look how good of a person I am. Whereas a lot of parents I feel end up, their kids are an extension of their sense of identity, their ego of going, well, my kid's the best kid and we'll have everything. And it's not, it's not that about your kid. You're saying that's you, that's your kid. It's like, do you know what I mean? The, the, the most missed the, when you, or I feel, and I may be wrong here. I've not had children. Don't think about children. <laughs> Don't leave that in the comments, ladies. But I was going to say, it's going to be in the comments. Jesus. Um, I, for legal reasons, I'm currently not aware of any children that I have, and I have no intention to have any. So I may be wrong about sort of what I'm saying here, but I feel that you then raise a child, then if you make them feel that they grow in your shadow, you never give them the light. If the only time they see the light is when you die, I'm then thinking of cannabis plants in a grow room. And so want growing in the shadow and not getting an opportunity. And it's, yeah, you're there, but you're, you've ended your life cycle and where's your potential? What have you got? It's, it's, you, we have all the, there's a proverb I can't think of, of the tree that grows twisted in the shadow of the other one. Yeah, I think I know what you're on about. I'm not sure though. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's your child. Ultimately, if you really love them, frankly, get the fuck out of the way. Support them, love them, let them get hurt and then help them. Let them make mistake then talk it through with them. Let them have you as a sounding board, as a place to come to for comfort and of curiosity. Don't ever make them feel afraid of you. Do, do you know what I mean? By all means, you have to be a disciplinarian. I'm not then saying let them all run around free, hippie love, you know. But, uh, no, yeah, yeah. But, but, at know, the sa- but at the same time, you shouldn't, if you rule with an iron fist, again, you're probably missing the point. And I say that having never had a child scream in my face that I can't walk away from. You know, never having a, a child having a tantrum that I can't just go, well, pfft. See ya. <laughs> In a bit, on. mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can, yeah. But I mean, I can only speak of my experience of growing up and, and the environments that I grew up in and the the trauma that I still face as a man now approaching my 34th year and that I will probably face approaching my 64th year. It's, yes. we have to get right in, in, your, in youth. Um, these mechanisms, because the trauma, and it's not just into that one individual, they'll then it'll like a virus it'll infect everybody in their lives and yeah into society and into others and if too many people are then damaged and traumatized in youth then that denies us that that beautiful potential future that we were we were speaking of before no it does yeah definitely so yeah she's my world I just that's kind of like the main reason I do what I do obviously I'd be lying if I say it wasn't for myself and I'd like to be successful and not have to worry about certain things and and be proud of myself especially again being told when I was growing up that I probably wouldn't achieve very much because I wasn't very academic and I had behavioral problems and things like that whereas you know for myself I kind of think like no I've done it all myself and and you know I'm going to do this but at the same time it's it's for my daughter you know I want to be present I don't want it to be that you know oh sorry I can't I've got to go work 12 hours and you know by the time I come back you'll be asleep or you'll someone else will be coming to take you to school and and, and things like that and it's just I just always wanted to avoid that and I know people don't have that luxury and I didn't necessarily have the luxury I just I just made the conscious choice and there's things that I go without and for now that you know but it, it's this the way it has to be like she comes first and yeah I, I just want this to you know it's my baby as well the Hempress is this um the brand and the the business it's yeah I was just just thinking there I'm kind of hoping that a back uh, a backhanded consequence uh, of COVID is more parents recognise because they had the opportunity to spend more time with the kids to 
again, hopefully not to what the the anecdote or the joke that I made earlier, if the parent realizing they don't like the kids and the kid doesn't like him. Um, but then, then going, actually, wait a minute, if I work one less shift a week, yeah, we'll be X amount of money worse off. But if we change this habit, that habit, we eat this, we don't eat out there, we get more time together, more meaningful time together. If I then, you know, because most people were able to binge through all the things they wanted to watch. So they were suddenly bored again for the first time. So instead of just going, we'll stick that on and we're fine and stick that on and being constantly distracted and then scrolling at the same time, they were able to have the conversations with their family and engage with their children. And I think, or I'd like to think and theorize that that is going to lead to more proactive parents. Do you know what I mean? So rather than just kind of being like, well, I've raised this thing, because it feels like a lot of a lot of people kind of go, well, the stress of it, you're all of a sudden, I've got this baby, like shit, got to look after it. And the next time they think about it is when they're 18 or they move out. Do you know what I mean? They literally kind of go, and are we done? Yeah. We, done? we did it. Is it fine? Is it alive? Did it make it? You've got both legs. <laughs> where's my certificate? Yeah. Yeah. And then you just go, right. So what I was doing was, where's my dinner? Why are we in a different county? Why are we in a different <laughs> country? You know, you're, just, you're so lost to it. I mean, I don't, again, like even just with the cat, you know, that's that's kind of my marker of my history over the past 15 years is then sometimes looking up and kind of going, well, where the hell am I? What where, What is this? It's like last time. I, remember, I had this here? memory of being here with, and I had this totem on this totem, this, ob, not object, this um this thing that was able to anchor me to different moments of my history and then yeah it's, it's, but I think it must be even weirder with a child because then the child's forever moving it's growing you literally you look at it you women I've heard women say actually they'll, they'll have to go away for a day or two and there's the baby and they literally come back and see the structural changes and watch it like gr- growing I yeah I do that like if she spends the night away with like my mum like with her nan and then it's like then she'll come back and I think wow, you're so grown. <laughs> when did this happen? Because it surely didn't just happen overnight. But yeah, you do obviously, you, you see them every day in, day out, don't you? So um, it is a bit more harder to see, but it, it does and it goes so fast. And I just think like, you know, with all this, the coronavirus and all these lockdowns and the negative impact that it has, but I do think that that there is some positives. Like you say, people did slow down. People did live in the moment and 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 get outside and, and do things that they wouldn't normally do, but as a family or, you know, together. Yeah, I think a lot more people got appreciative of nature when we were told we were allowed that hour walk <laughs> every day. People were like, all right, let's go find somewhere to walk. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think hopefully a lot of that will then again carry over. Um, I mean, it's, it's difficult because with raising inflation rates, with um, energy bills going up, with the, the pressures mounting in different sort of facets of our lives, it's going to be harder to, to spend that quality time together. I think, uh, I hate the term, spending time together in the meat space is becoming the new luxury. For us to physically be in the same realm together, for us to be able to sort of touch each other and go somewhere, know, that, yeah. that is becoming the ultimate luxury. Do you know what I mean? People can, oh, I'll talk to you on face chat, a uh, FaceTime or face chat, the amalgamation of many things there, but talk to each other on like a FaceTime sort of uh, basis while doing other work, while doing something else. And you got, I'll catch up on this TV program while I'll check this email, while I'm still in the conversation with this, while I'm doing this. And we're always, everything. Never con- in the moment anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we can't. A lot of can't us. I get to the next one. A lot of us can't identify the moment anymore. And if we do, it causes us anxiety because we suddenly go, oh, and then your brain goes, you've got 45,000 things to do in the next 10 minutes. And you're just like, 
ah! and you catch back up again because you can't appreciate that moment. Sorry for, I'm sorry if anyone had that on really loud and just heard me scream in their ears there. <laughs> They're awake now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do, do not recommend this podcast for early morning listening. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's this just mental state of reality that we're in that I think to kind of tie us back to um, sort of the herb of the day, as it were, that cannabis really allows us to, to be in that moment. That I think that again, some people experience the anxiety as I've just kind of uh, overly uh, gestated and articulated there. Uh, gestate is not the word I'm looking for. Add your own descriptor here, folks. Fill in your own blank. Um, the the basically the cannabis here yeah, can cause some people to be anxious, can cause some people to react sort of um, in a way that they wouldn't sort of expect. But I think it's more akin to that mechanism of. It's causing them to suddenly realize certain things. And it's that realization that's making them anxious, not necessarily the, the cannabis. I mean, there's an argument to be made for certain terpenes, but I think as a general sort of rule, the cannabis allows you to kind of stop for a minute, look at what you're doing, assess, and then take a step forward. No, definitely. It's about, again, it's like what we said before, it's about knowing yourself and your needs, isn't it? And then because I can consume cannabis one day, say, you know, it might have a high THC um, content, but you say if I'm in that state of mind where, you know, I've let everything sort of get to me, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I'm sort of, you know, honing in on things that need to be done. Then if I was to like consume that, then I probably will. I'll probably feel 10 times more anxious or or more overwhelmed. Whereas if I was to then maybe just have um, something with higher CBD uh, content in it or like you say, like different terpenes, I probably feel like then I would that overwhelming feeling or like anxiety would subside a little bit and then I can get back to the you know to doing something and, and getting things done so again I think it's just it's research isn't it it's research within yourself and understanding you and then again the plant as well and, and knowing what 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 strain or what height like you know what terpenes what cannabinoid content that you need to, to help you in that moment yeah exactly that it's having that awareness of, of your individual self because there is no one size fits all and the uniqueness of our endocannabinoid systems effectively analogous to being like a, a fingerprint means that yeah there's not going to be a, a single solution there's not going to be a, a one-size-fits-all that's going to work here um and until we kind of accept that we're not really going to get much further academically or uh, commercially I, th- I think with the industry they're going to be quite stagnating and they're just going to be bouncing around with what they're currently doing which is going does it work yeah package it sell it why does it work we don't really care i mean that's <laughs> it makes the, the money yeah that, that, it's scary, scary concept and it sounds a bit mm-hmm. hypable but honestly from the researchers that i've spoken to and these these people some of them have multiple phds um and they're like this just not being done they, they don't really care they, they know there's an endocannabinoid system it fits on this receptor here's the rough science go they're not then looking further into it obviously they're trying to do these triple blind placebo control trials but in order to do that they need synthetic and biosynthesized compounds and, and isolates and they're only ever then going to prove the efficacy of of an isolate it's then never going to give us further information about how a full spectrum product um works you know what i mean so as we spoke of earlier there's so many of the different compounds that need to be explored and the yeah, can affect different people. As I said, you and I could smoke uh, smoke the same cultivar and have two very different reactions. I mean, I could smoke the same cultivar on two different days and have very different reactions. This is the the thing of it. It's it's so different, and it's not cannabis that changes. 
it's no it's you yeah exactly and that's what we need to to recognize is we're the variable you can't regulate cannabis into working it it's understanding ourselves and what if you're then tired you know then you're going to consume cannabis you're more likely to then become sedated you know what i mean if you're energized you smoke something you're likely to continue that energization that's not even a word the continuation of that sort of um emotional state or that feeling um, dependent again on the nature of the profile some profiles will hit people like boom there are some that i've come across um there was a cut of master uh, master kush that i came across a few years ago um that literally i could smell it and i'd pass out like it was i had a jar of it and it was my column my bedtime joint and it was literally you get about that far down of it roll it and just <laughs> Good night, Vienna. Yeah, yeah. Literally, some mornings I made the mistake of like waking back up and going, "Oh, go on, then yeah." Oh no, get like, in the oh, waking okay, bag. Yeah. Not even awake and big, waking dead, just straight, yeah. back, straight back to sleep. Waking back to bed, yeah. So again, being able to find those kind of things and then going, "Well, all right, that's my sleeping pill. What is in that? Let me understand that and and map that, and know that, so that I can apply that to the rest of my life. Not only so that." I can truly utilize it to go to sleep when I want, but I can then go, oh, that that cultivar has got this in that I know puts me to sleep. I'm going to work or I'm, you know, out for the next five, six hours with 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 friends or whatever. I don't want to pass out. So I don't want that. It allows me to make informed, you know, uh, decisions about what I'm consuming. And that's what I mean. And, and whereas if it wasn't criminalized and, and this whole, you know, the black market or whatever you want to refer to it is... Um... You, you, you don't really it's hard to say isn't it because you get people that are passionate about the grow and they know the content and they'll share with you and and they'll explain and, and you can have like a conversation about it but not everybody knows about that and I think if you was just to go out and, and purchase some or whatever and then just to consume it you don't know you can't physically see with your own eyes the the makeup of it and then then what if you have a bad reaction or like you say it, it enhances a certain feeling then you think okay but then that's you're going to think they're not, but then that's cannabis. That's what it does. And it does that to everybody. And, you know, but that, that, that isn't the case. So it's just such a shame that it's, it's not, you know, you can't walk into a, a shop or, and have it laid out in front of you and see the percentages and, and have somebody give you advice. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Um, Damn it, I'm trying to think if I can put this on the record. I think I can, if we're speaking, I'm not going to name the person. Uh, but basically in conversation the other day, I found out there's an, Isra- uh, an Israeli-based company, or sorry, a company based in Israel, that uh, basically mapping effectively uh, a genome that are able to profile to your genome. <laughs> They're able to sort of map you and look at certain deficiencies and certain things and then use their database and the information that they've got to then pick uh and uh build like a broad spectrum product of isolates compounds of this terpene this cannabinoid whatever that they say will then maximize to your endocannabinoid system obviously i have uh personal i guess issue with that in the i i feel it's not offensive i'm not offended i don't think it's the right way of describing it but i feel it's an affront to nature to deny that it's spent millennia evolving into putting all of these compounds synergistically. And we already know from studies around the entourage effect that a terpene plus a cannabinoid is not going to equal an entourage effect. Uh, Cannabis terpene is in a terpene derived from a cannabis plant with a cannabinoid derived from a cannabis plant grown synergistically is going to do that. And we don't have a clue why yet. 
we're not there's a lot of people theorizing a lot of people doing whatever there's a lot of people frankly fudging the science and i'm quite happy to state that and put that on record and do a podcast if anybody wants to come and uh to have a conversation about that out there in the, the big wide world because there is so much just bullshit going down at the minute as i said before it's it's marketing and advertising at this point it's a lot of it really is that we we've seen enough of it we've got the anecdotal evidence we've got enough uh, that's accepted in academia and within the, the realms of regulation that we can package and sell this product. So therefore we're going to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say it's just, um, yeah, it's all come some, it's come a long way. So yeah, exciting. That, that sounds um, interesting, but I think I'm the same as you. It's um, yeah. How does it exactly work? So yeah, it's all right. Just inputting and, and mapping and, and things like that. But it's it's then to what what good if um the system the establishment still believes that oh, it's, it's about getting you just well enough well enough for what for me to continue to work 90 hours a week in your system i want to consume cannabis and have a revelatory experience i want to not quite meet god as it were but you know be able to really use that introspection and that metacognition to then question you know, do I want to continue working for this supermarket chain? Do I want to continue to pay a mortgage on this five-bedroom house when actually we'd be quite happily in a two-bedroom house, wouldn't we, love? Yeah, we would. Yeah, we would. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And the people are like, well, actually, you know what? Well, we don't need another child or we don't need two other pets or we don't need five holidays a year. Just to be able to question the structure of your life and then to be able to make meaningful changes. I think that they're never going to prescribe that. They're never going to allow you to go into a doctor's office and go, you know, go into the woods, smoke a really fat joint and go look at the trees for a couple of hours. Listen to the wind. Yeah, listen to some 528 hertz and meditate. You'll, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're never <laughs> Let gonna, yourself go, love. Yeah, they're never going to want to encourage that, really. That's always going to be hippy-dippy and spiritual and holistic and alternative. Well, and they try to crab it into all of those stereotypes, don't they, to, to have that off-putting of people that just then give you the eye roll. And I think, like, actually, no, there's the science and behind it. And, yeah, but it's, it's, it's not made up stories. It's the same as we were talking about, with like, the, the false dichotomies of so-called of, uh, hemp and cannabis, you know what I mean? In that they, they're saying, oh, yeah, bro, to, to, to your spiritualistness, but they're going, actually, well, what we're doing now is that we're going to prescribe outdoors, which is a thing. They're now prescribing going for a walk as a way to deal with depression and obesity, et cetera. Yeah, mindfulness uh, yeah, and things, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mindfulness was basically them going, right, how can we take the Buddhist traditions, remove anything potentially spiritual and about embiggening in, in and emboldening the, the individual and make it purely about making them a good capitalist consumer? They did the same thing with LSD. It went from tune in, turn on, turn on, tune in, drop out, as Timothy Leary would say, and counterculture and end the, the system to let's microdose enough LSD so that I can improve my efficacy, my work rate working in Silicon Valley. Yeah. The co-options of these things happen so fast, man. And I think yeah, I know. Exactly so they always snap something up, don't they? Again, like CBD, but then, yeah, incorporate it and, and take away the, the little bits and not give you the whole... The whole story, well, not story, but yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, we deserve that right to play. And I think uh, people like yourself represent one of the multitudes and many, many facets within this industry that need champions of people that are passionate for the plant. There are far too many people, I would say, in your field that have chosen it because it's an easy way to make money. It's a way they can cash in on cannabis without having to go near ooh, the dangerous cannabis. Do you know what I mean? They never have to be associated with the grows and the so-called criminality and the, the underworld that is created by prohibition. Whereas I think, as we've sort of covered in, in, um, in this podcast, that yeah, you have a genuine passion for the plant and 
I, I can see you sitting here, not necessarily on this podcast, but in decades to come, you know, really having established uh, a brand that is created through quality product, but also like I said, the, the ethos of it is that you are, you're not just trying to sell them shit. Everything is so well put together. I think in terms of your packaging, the upcycling, recycling of things, the, as you've seen, the, the mindfulness that you've put into every part of the acquisition procedure to, to getting that product to somebody's hand and bath. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, it doesn't even feel like, you'd always hear that say that when I worked in the food industry, you'd have people and it's like, you know, the passion and things. And I just, I never got it. And I used to think like, oh, I want to be passionate about something and I, I want a career and I want to do well. And like, that was then. And I just never got the grasp of it. And I ended up getting quite ill like and with my mental health so that sort of all ended but with this it just doesn't it doesn't feel like work it just naturally flows and then I'm like ah that's what it's like to be passionate about something that you do and have a real love for it and no I don't know everything I'm you know I'm not science I'm not a scientist you know I'm not very academic I, I know those things about myself but I'm passionate and I want to learn and I want to know. And I just think even as a human being, you're always healing, growing, learning, evolving. And it's just, you know, and that's the same with the other parts of your life as well. And that's, you know, with this, but I enjoy it and I love it and the difference that it makes and the people that I've seen that it, you know, like you say with cancer and, and people's stories and it just, it's just, it's crazy. I just like my head can't get around the fact that we just don't live in a world that you can't, you can't grow it. You can't heal yourself. You can't, yeah. Yeah, I very much feel like uh, inside the multiverse, we are very much on one of the timelines that got it really wrong, really wrong. There are some parallel realities just, just, just in the ether, just where we can't quite get. I know. Where, like, where they, Morty, where what got, did you do? <laughs> yeah, where they've got it right, man. It's, 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 it's comforting to know that there's, there's infinite realities where we got it right, but it's very disheartening to know there's infinite realities we got it wrong and we just so happen to find ourselves in one of them. But I think yeah. through actions like yourself, through the creation of, of, of companies and through the um, raising, not rearing, of, of children it, with the ethos and the uh, kind of mindset and philosophy that you're, you're we are not even that. I mean, you're, sort of, you're giving her... The ability to to make her own decisions and to form her own opinions in this world and i think that is far more powerful and meaningful and beneficial to to myself and others and the rest of society because then they're not going to try to swap the world into what they want it to be they're going to try to accept it for what it is but then also seek live in to, harmony to deal with injustice yeah and so i wish you all the best with uh with with, with the company and, and really do hope that the regulations relax and allow you to explore more research and development of other other compounds and, and combining these things together because i think the cosmetics industry at the minute they're really missing a trick they're still looking at it as, as beauty as it were it's still that facade rather than function whereas i think that the function of these things in terms of delivery mechanisms for things like bath bombs for bombs for uh moisturizers things like that really seriously with things like eczema and skin conditions that it's it's amazing honestly i'll never ever get bored of like seeing the difference and not just my products like other products on the market as well that you know you know that are good and they they are what they say they are it's just it's just crazy the difference it makes and i think it's just even that ritual of people taking the time that they probably wouldn't normally to, to spend that extra 20 minutes in the bath or 
to stand in front of the mirror and really look at yourself and apply this cream and you know washing your face and things stuff that people just think you know it's, it's basic stuff but again you're not putting especially when using my products you're not putting toxins into your skin you know you're using what what mother earth and nature provides us and and it's like a ritualistic thing and you're taking that time and it's like we were saying earlier you, you know when you're taking your cbd oil or things like that you're just doing the little things you feel so much better and then it has an effect on the rest of your day and the rest of you you know your life yeah i think it, it, it's like training an atrophied muscle a muscle that's kind of broken down um and so the little by little the more you do the, the easier it gets until yeah it becomes almost a detriment to not do it and i think yeah you hit the nail on the head there of ritual I think it's one of the things I point out as being so vitally important for people that can combust cannabis, whether they mix it with tobacco or not, is the ritual of sitting down, taking the time, skin, roach, rest, you know, a joint bee or whatever else, back of light is inside of a box, you know, fold of some trousers or whatever, and then building it, putting it together, and then the, the action of rolling, licking, patting down, twisting, and each different nuance, that step, that is the quintessence of humanity for me. I know that's going to sound quite extreme. It's just a bit of weirdo, but it's not. It's it's the intention. It's the, the 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 ritualistic action of it. To me, that that's something else. That is something I'm truly choosing to do for yes, it to a betterment of myself, and yes, sometimes even as an escape uh, form of escapism. But it's still, I'm doing something. I with autonomy, I'm choosing something, and more so that it being illegal because then. I am taking into consideration all of the information and everything I know around me and then still choosing that that is the best course of action for me. And that to me makes me feel alive. It makes me feel human. Yeah, a little bit rebellious and cheeky, but it makes me feel that I am making a decision. I'm truly choosing what I'm doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a lot of people then that's why they're never going to get rid of anything combustion that that ritual and then passing that joint as well same with a couple of people and passing a joint round is it's just a completely different feeling and then like you say and then the conversations that you have that you wouldn't have i don't think if you wasn't sat there and you know sharing this plant or i don't know like yeah it's interesting i was just i think thinking it there i'll uh i'll finish this point i'll ask you my my final my final question because i'm sort of mindful of uh of the time um but I think that it's as you pass that joint, even though, as we've talked about before, you get different responses to the terpenes and whatever else. I think it almost kind of standardizes the the mental state of the people in that group. And so that's why then people end up laughing. You know, you're smoking a bunch of group, four or five years and you're just end up laughing at no shit. And then you'll you'll talk in not full sentences and it's broken kind of almost English. And it's you're communicating beyond linguistics because you're on that same level. The same happens with, I think, alcohol for certain points, but then people end up getting at different levels a lot quicker yeah and I don't like you say so I think because you're not with your own thoughts like you say if, if it's just you on your own and you know you've you've oh, I've picked up this joint at the ashtray and you've had that but then you're already feeling anxious and overwhelmed and then it enhances that whereas if you're sat with a few people you're not thinking about other things anyway you're kind of more in the moment because yeah, there's other people and there's other conversations, there's other things being said and then you're passing this joint around and like you say, I think you're all on this level and you're not thinking about the things that you would normally be thinking about and yeah. I think it's, it's almost a sense of loneliness, isn't it? I think a lot of our anxiety comes from, am I the only one that thinks this? Why am I the only one that feels this? When 
I have a, an expression that I like to use, which is that if I was born, you raised you lived as you, I would be sat there as you right now. I would have said every word that you would have said in this podcast. I would have acted, breathed and committed to everything as you, because there is intrinsically only one consciousness. It's then the, the uh, manifest experience uh, and culmination of our decisions and our life experience that kind of makes us who we are at any given sort of moment. Um, and I think in that we recognize it when we we get stoned together, we get drunk, you know, people take MDMA or whatever. And you have these these open conversations and you'll just kind of go, well, oh, you're all right. Uh, yeah, just, I got a bit funny about some. Oh, I get like that. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or when people express like, a, I, I don't know, yeah, weird mechanisms or embarrassing things or silly things or, or childish things. And you can express it to another person and they can see you for it, acknowledge it and recognize that, yeah, I do that too. That is a powerfully healing thing to feel that we are not, a, not alone. Better than most therapy um, sessions, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you, I have walked out of raves and come back uh, on horrible come downs from uh, free parties across the country with far better uh, feeling of who I am as a person and my sense of self than I have left after 20 sessions of, of, of intrusive. Uh, in, in, I'm trying to say intrusive and intensive at the same time therapy. But, yeah. No, definitely. I'll never forget my first uh, free party, 2009, the year I left school. And it just completely, again, just something that that opened me up to a whole different world. And and like you say, to things that I thought that I only did or made me weird or like not deserving of things was like you say, you, you sat there with somebody and then it's kind of, like, oh, no, I feel like that. I've done that. And you're like, oh, actually. And then you just, yeah. It, it's, and it's a good overwhelming feeling of like, Oh, I'm actually okay. Like I can actually do this. Like, yeah, so amazing. Yeah. Again, something else that's uh, that's um tried to be suppressed and you're not allowed to do and and things. They don't like you being together. I think that's what it is. When we get together, amazing things can happen. Yeah, and it's it's not because we have a propensity to violence or even to revolution. It's that our revolution is love, and that sounds like the most hippie thing I've said in a while. But I mean, in the sense that that love is not possessive love is not ownership it is not hierarchical love is the sense that i mean i i love everything because it is what makes up my life you know i mean i'm really trying to love traffic at the minute like actually get into every time somebody cuts me off or somebody does something stupid or i end up in a moment of wanting to be like ah to go, yeah that's a lesson right there that's a lesson what the hell do i need to learn there okay gee, all right fine and then trying to be yeah, curious of the situation and kind of sit with it. And that, that's what I mean is that to love life is not to then be po that uh, toxic positivity. It's not to then only see the good. It's not to then deny the bad or to, to soften the edges, really. It's actually to die fully, beautifully, raw, immerse and swim yeah. into the, yeah, the waters of life. And it's... Uh, who's the quote is it Rumi uh yeah Rumi says step into the to the flames of your life uh do not worry the only things that will burn are not you do you know what I mean it's just in the analogy it's like that your garb will burn away whatever you're dressed in whatever you believe yourself to be will disappear all that will be left is you and it's we find that in moments where you know you do things of bravery people that do you know scuba diving skydiving you know things like that or people that race race cars and get adrenaline going even you know, but it's even to the, the smaller things for raising children and whatever else. We have these moments where we step into this great fear and this great unknown and it embiggens us, it empowers us and it leaves us feeling, okay, I've got this. Because 
do you know what it is most of the time the human experience is overwhelming consciousness is terrifying yeah. so i have these moments where you go you all scared shitless too cool 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 yeah, yeah, yeah we're in this together like, <laughs> And I think that's why we not necessarily like, but in a morbid way, we 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 slow down for car accidents. The world stood still at 9-11. You know, we we watch war documentaries. We have action movies in violent crime, films yeah. and, and MMA and true and all of these things is that we stand in a collective in a moment of looking at it and going, we could all that's all of us. That could that's any of us. And it's a it's a moment of collective realization of our collective humanity, I feel. And that again, cannabis into much to some degree stronger extent uh, other substances and compounds can really have the profound extreme connection between individuals that when focused and done consciously can undo a lifetime of trauma and indoctrination into very hateful and small and divisive worldviews definitely yeah something so i don't know something that you probably feel like that's consumed your life for for ages and then like you say you can just speak to that one person or or share an experience a trip or a joint and and it just yeah it's completely just like like your prayers have been answered almost and you just I think that's is a crazy concept really but then I think that's why it's always been suppressed and criminalized and you know they don't want our minds to be open and they certainly don't want us to to share that knowledge with one another that's why uh, we do we do podcasts we write blogs we still do free parties and we gather together illegally you know it's the people are gonna the people will always win yeah people to the power power to the people yeah man for sure for sure all right um i've thoroughly enjoyed this i'm gonna me too end, thank you into this with uh my question that i ask everybody uh which is what does the future hold for you well, that's a really good question um obviously Quite a big question i should have probably yeah i don't have warned my you up for um... it. <laughs> Well, like in, in April, we're doing this, then may I look? <laughs> yeah, just hang on a moment. <laughs> like, mm, no, um, to be fair, I just, I want to be happy, healthy. Um, I, I want my business to be successful. And I think success means different things to different people. I just still want to be here making products and, and people using my products and having positive, you know, benefits. And I want to get out there more and, and, and be more active and, sort of end that stigma and and sort of make positive changes within the industry and and help people as well and and make sure that they've you know got all that they need to if they want to step into the same industry as me I, you know I get a lot of people that that reach out and and ask like the right way to do it and then you see people that again I think they just jump on it to make some quick money and you think you know you, you probably shouldn't really be putting that in there or you know have you got this and that and again it's not my business I let people tend to get on with it but I'm always there to help and I kind of think I want to focus a bit more on that as well as making products is to to be able to help others yeah 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 I think that again a lot of people need not guidance as in sort of the hand holding but yeah people don't you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it I think I said that correctly um and that's very true of of this industry you said of sort of, of additives and things like that that people can end up putting something in because well they googled it and that's what the google said and it then the the uninformed it's what does it say the blind lead in the blind and it ends up they then create a standard for an industry that yeah the people that actually use the product are informed going well none of that is true and I think yeah you're in a position that through your own research and development and through direct feedback and actively being present within the community you seek to serve and not being separate from it for all your, you do cosmetics. You've never sought to, well, I need to not be near cannabis. 
you know what I mean? You've not tried to gentrify mm-hmm. or, or, you know, create a, a, a deliberate barrier between yourself and the community. And I think that's, that's uh, applaudable. And, and I do hope that people um, respond to that. And then when they come to want to spend the money, they don't just look at, again, our favorite two boots and uh, body shop. They, they then go, well, actually, who's in the community? Who? Because every time somebody buys a product from you, that's helping you raise not rear your child you know whereas if you then pin it to boots or someone like that all you're doing is helping a corporation dodge more tax do you know what I mean and then you know pay their workers not really enough anyway that the the time that they're leaving their 18 hour shift or whatever it is that they've only just barely got enough money to to pay the bills and like the things that we were talking about earlier isn't it really and and the stresses that it causes but um yeah and for me as well a lot of it goes back into the business and just being able to expand especially with ingredients and things unfortunately you know the inflation of prices and it does make it difficult as a small business but we keep going we're going strong and yeah the future is just just to still be here and making a difference and yeah hopefully being at more events as well I'd like to sort of vend at more events obviously it's hard with childcare, but yeah yeah, well, hopefully a lot of people will uh, get to see you uh, events across the, the UK, this country. Um, I'll obviously include a link in the bio to uh, shop and social media and whatnot so people can check out uh, the products that we've uh, been discussing. Yeah, come uh, say hi. <laughs> and yeah, I just wanted to, again, say thank you very much for, for taking the time and sitting down um, and just saying we got, we got two hours there. I mean, you were nervous about giving me 10 minutes uh, six months ago, so I just wanted to say you've done really well with that. Yeah, I was going to say it's another thing. I get really worked up and then usually in my head will be making all these excuses. But I think it's because we're quite, you know, I'm quite familiar with you and I know what you're about. And, you know, I really sort of idolise you. You know, you're very inspiring and a knowledgeable man and I appreciate you. So, um, but yeah, I wasn't as nervous. And I just feel like I think the more I'm trying to push myself to do more things like that, do lives and, you know, the things that I would normally shy away from. um, But I know that they're important and for myself as well, you know, self-improvement. I'm just pushing myself a little bit more so I appreciate that thank you thank you for your time I mean it and thank you thank you for the compliments and yeah I hope that then this this acts as inspiration to to all of the I was gonna say little ladies out there um but the 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 people out in the world that are then looking and wanting to be involved in cannabis especially women in cannabis you don't have to jump into this the boys end of flavor chasing and all the rest of it and I don't say that derogatory to to the geezers out there you know I'm I'm saying that with love um it's where your passion is isn't it it's what you exactly exactly and i i want to see in the future all of you know in the colleges the, the beauticians that was the word i think i was looking for earlier but yeah so uh so beauticians and that they're then taught as part of their training about of their cannab- course about cannabinoids about you know how cbd can can work and stuff and about inflammation of the skin and and how and all of it and the hair I just i want to see that built in this then gives them an opportunity to build brands to build legacy i do not want to see and i'm sorry i'm probably gonna get sued by these fuckers but we'll say it again for the last time (laughs) boots and body shop taking over the goddamn industry they've had their time they put pollutants in their products they put petroleum-based byproducts they promoted child slavery they promoted uh, ecological environmental destruction that's definitely going to get me sued. Um, but the point is that they're not the industries of the future. It is the bespoke, craft, compassionate, small batch industry makers like yourself that I think really deserve that market share. So I will continue to support uh, your products and, and yourself. And, and yeah, oh, thank you so much. Every success for you. Oh, thank you. Well, um, yeah, I look forward to and hopefully we'll be able to catch each other at some events this year as well. It'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, so, yeah. 
we will do a little bit of uh, housekeeping now, folks. Just wanted to say thank you very much to y'all if you made it through uh, this podcast and if you found it interesting. Do please uh, follow Amy on social media and check out Hempress UK uh, in the links in the descriptors below. Uh, please do not report me to Boots and Body Shop. I do not, I cannot be asked with, uh, with, a, with a lawsuit with those guys. Uh, please, though, if you're going to go to those efforts, like, share, subscribe, and check us out on... Ooh, Sorry, I lost you. Find out. Hi. <laughs> Um, well, Patreon, yeah, do check us out on Patreon where for less than a cup of coffee a week you can help me keep the lights on and the bills paid. Um, and yeah, we can continue to get unique and wonderful guests such as Amy to provide you insight into all of the different facets of the industry. So, yeah, please do like, share, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week with I don't know, I don't know, somebody, another person, I'm sure they'll be interesting. Peace and love, folks. <laughs>